This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Today's sermon is simply titled Elements of a Great God. Elements of a Great God. This psalm is before Psalm 139. It does not necessarily mean that it was written before Psalm 139. The psalms were not necessarily chronologically placed in Scripture. Um, However, this one does highlight our great God. And I'm thankful, by the way, that we serve a God who the book of Psalms, the songbook of Scripture is written, and it is the largest book in the Bible, and many of those Psalms highlight the greatness of our God, and yet they don't even come close to highlighting the greatness of our God. If you want to look at it this way, the book of John records many miracles of Jesus, seven main miracles of Jesus, but all the life of Christ, and the book of John ends with, hey, listen, if we were to write everything that Jesus did, the world could not contain the books. It's things like that that make me, that I just look at God and I say, I'm, we're going to try today to highlight some elements of our great God, but I will tell you this, we will not do it justice today. We cannot do it justice today. In fact, a God can, that can be explained is not a God that can be worshipped, in my opinion. If I can explain him, then I wouldn't be able to worship him. And today, we're going to do our best to let David unpack this passage of Scripture for us in Psalm 138. If you have your Bibles, look at them. If not, uh, they'll be on, your, on the screen. You can look on an app. That's completely fine. Verse 1 in Psalm 138, I will praise you with my whole heart. Before the gods, I will sing praises to you. I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. Yes, they shall sing of the ways of the Lord for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever do not forsake the works of your hands this is going to be a little bit more of a bible study today we're going to cover all of these verses and we're going to do so uh, systematically and we're going to walk through it today to be honest with you i don't plan on doing a lot of moving around and yelling and screaming today and i typically don't do that anyway but i want us to look because i believe it's important for us to systematically walk through Scripture, to see what God has for us. My pastor um, that I count as my pastor, uh, Scott Toole, always says this, you don't come to church to hear what I have to say. You come to church to hear what God has to say through his word. And that's what we want to do today. Can we pray together? And then we're going to dive right into the Scripture. Heavenly Father, 
Be with us as we walk through your word today. God, I pray that you would speak through your word. God, in this passage, we're going to talk about the fact that you have magnified your word. And God, I pray today that we would hide behind that. And God, I pray you would speak through it. You said your word is alive. It's powerful. And God, I pray that you would reprove me today, rebuke me today, instruct me today through your word. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want us to see first of all this morning in the first three verses of this chapter, the great worship of the Lord, the great worship of the Lord. I will praise you with my whole heart. I want us to think about that statement as we go through this first point. I will praise you with my whole heart. Before the gods, I will sing praises to you. I will worship toward your holy temple and Praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. The great wholehearted worship of the Lord. And let me say this. We ought to worship him with all of our hearts. You say, Josh, what, what's the, what, what, what else can we do? Well, I believe that we can be guilty of worshiping God and the, but still holding something back. I believe that if you have been a believer for any length of time, there have been seasons of your life where you have probably felt yourself at a little bit of a distance in your spiritual life. And, and during those times, you may not have been worshiping and you may not have been uh, truly pouring your whole heart out to him. And so I believe we can this morning as believers worship God without a wholeheartedness being attached to it. But I want us to see under the great worship of the Lord this morning, I want us to see wholehearted worship that displays itself through singing. Wholehearted worship that displays itself through singing. I will praise you with my whole heart. Before the gods, I will sing praises to you. And let me say this this morning. I am saying that the word worship only is speaking of singing. I'm not saying that this morning. I believe that we are to worship him in many ways. We, everything we do is an act of worship. We could get into that conversation. However, for this passage this morning, I want us to understand that we can and we should display our worship to Jesus through singing, through music this morning. You say, Josh, well, I'm not naturally musical. Welcome to the club. I also am not naturally musical. In fact, if you ever are so lucky to show up on a Sunday when, when Tim is out of town, um, there's a possibility that I may be leading worship up here. Now we, but now we know Steve. Okay, anyway, I might, yeah, yeah, Steve's back here shaking his head. Uh, I have led worship on a handful of occasions, and I am not musically inclined. Now, I love music, but man, I don't, I, Lord, have, the Lord knows I am not musically inclined. However, the scripture does not say, I will praise you with my whole heart before the gods. I will sing praises to you because my talent is at a maximum level vocally. It doesn't say that. Um, we should praise and we should worship uh, the Lord together in song because we love him, because we're worshiping him with our whole heart. Psalm 96 verse 1, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. I grew up in a pastor's home. My dad was a pastor, 
And as a rebellious teenager, my father would always gauge my spiritual appetite at the time based upon if he used to stand on the stage, you know, while they were singing so that he could, you know, look at people. You know, he would stand on the stage. But he used to say, son, I noticed you hadn't been singing in church the last couple of weeks. I noticed you stopped singing when we stand and sing. And I'm like, come on, dad. And I'm like, dad, that ain't got nothing to do with it. And in my heart, I'm like, man, he found, like, he caught me. Like, uh, it does have something to do with it. I, I will say this. I believe as we are tenderhearted toward God, even if we have to mouth the words and nothing comes out because we don't want the person in front of us to hear us singing off key, I believe that there's a natural flow of worship in our, in our music and our song that should come when we worship him with a whole heart. I don't know about you, but there are times when we're singing uh, songs, uh, as, as Tim went back this morning and we repeated even another verse and a, a bridge and a chorus, there are elements and times in a song where I say, I don't know how you can't rejoice, I don't know how you can't worship, I don't know how you can't praise during this time as we think about how good God is. I don't know how we can't do that. And so I look at that, and I'm not saying that if you love to sing, you're right with God. And if you don't like to sing, you're not right with God. I'm just telling you that we should present ourselves in wholehearted worship with music. I love all kinds of music. Believe me. I love nearly every kind. You throw a, you throw a genre of music at me, and I probably like it. But I tell you what I try to do, and I try to do this with my kids. I try to do this with our family. I try to make them understand the value of worshiping Jesus through music. I absolutely loved this morning hearing the kids. I don't know if you could hear as well back there. But as you guys were singing this direction, to hear the kids singing, God, you're so good. There's nothing like that. And I want to encourage you on your way to work, instead of just turning on that ridiculous talk radio, I want to say instead of, for me, maybe listening to that podcast again, or that new podcast episode, every now and then, on a consistent basis, maybe, let's turn that off and let's turn on something that would cause us to get into that spirit of, of worship through music. Please. The songs that we do here, we try to post them usually on Thursday, Friday, or Saturday as we're leading up to a Sunday of the songs we're doing. I encourage you to go on YouTube and just type in the names of those songs and listen to those songs. We try to make it easy for you. Every time we do a new song that we've never done before, we try to send that out to you, a link, so that you can worship on your own leading up to Sunday so that when we come together, we just make a joyful noise to the Lord. But I will say as we stand and worship, as we stand and Oh, there's a natural adoration that flows as we worship God in song. God, you're so good. You're so good to me. And I want to wholeheartedly worship him in song. But secondly, under the great worship of our Lord, I want us to see wholeheartedly worshiping God the way that he is to be worshipped. I'm not going to spend a ton of time here. I told you we're walking through this entire chapter, so I'm not going to get bogged down in certain areas. But verse 2 says, I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. You see, in the Old Testament, the worship was done at the temple. And David was saying that I will worship toward your holy temple. I'm not just worshiping you. I'm worshiping you the way 
that you have asked to be worshipped. Okay, I'm worshiping you not just generally. I'm worshiping you the way you have asked as I, as I look toward your holy temple. In the New Testament, Jesus came and he abolished temple worship and he became the object of our worship. And I would say this, if we as New Testament Christians want to wholeheartedly worship God as he is to be worshiped, then we must worship Jesus, the New Testament tells us, in spirit and in truth. Listen, we don't, we don't need to just worship God generically. We need to worship Him the way that He desires to be worshipped. And that is in spirit, but that is also in truth. And let me say this, I won't give you a dime for someone who worships in spirit, but doesn't worship in truth. You say, what does that look like? It looks like somebody who would stand and, and worship God publicly in front of people and make a show publicly in front of people but aren't following the truths that he has set forth in his word on a Monday through Sunday basis. I would rather have someone stand up here and lead worship that sings like me or worse than me, but that loves Jesus Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and on and on and on, and serves them and, and, and loves the truth of God's word and lives the truth of God's word. You see, we need to worship God on his terms. Worship God the way he desires to be worshiped this morning. I won't get bogged down there, but I do. I may want to make sure we highlight that. In the Old Testament, David was saying, I'm going to worship towards your holy temple as you have commanded. In the New Testament, we are commanded to worship the Son of the living God, Jesus. Thirdly, under this great worship of the Lord, we see wholehearted magnification of the Word of God. Wholehearted magnification of the Word of God. For you have magnified your Word above all your name everything we do at this church everything that we do here at keystone church must be grounded in god's word it should not be grounded in the traditions of men it should not be drowned uh, it should not be grounded in whatever is the new and the and the hip and the modern and the cool it should be grounded in god's holy word why because he is magnified his word. He has magnified his word and that is what we are here to do on a consistent basis every Sunday is to open up this book right here and to magnify his word. You say, how much has God magnified his word? Well, I can't really explain the details in this, but he says here that he has magnified his word above his name. The name of Jesus the name that every knee will bow to, every tongue will confess to. Listen, he's magnified his word. And we must understand if we are going to be a people who wholeheartedly worship God, then we must be a people who wholeheartedly fall underneath the authority of God's holy word. You are not worshiping God if you are not following and you are not submitting to and you are not magnifying God's word in your life it's impossible it's impossible it's impossible to worship God and not respond to his word it's impossible to worship God and not magnify his word and, and let me say this there's no
family. There's no committee. There's no group of people that will run anything at this church. There's no pastor. There's no elder that will run anything at this church. This book right here will guide and will lead this church. This book will. God's word will reign supreme. God's word, as a, as a father, God's word will reign supreme in my family. As a pastor, God's word will reign supreme in, in, in our church. Uh, as, a, as a husband, God's word will reign supreme in our marriage. God's holy word. It, it's, it's alive. Look at, look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, that from a child... You have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. How did we even come to faith in Christ? You know how we came to faith in Christ? Through God's Word. How did we know that we were sinners? Through God's Word. How do we know that Jesus Christ, when He came and He died on the cross, that He, he tore down that, that wall, that partition, he, he, he rent the veil in two, and now we have access to all our Almighty Creator God through the blood of Jesus. How do we know all that? We know that through God's Word. We know that through His Word. So this, these holy scriptures are able to make us wise for salvation. The Reformation came about because a man got a hold of God's Word and began reading God's Word for himself. God's word can change your life. God's word can bring salvation to your life. But look at verse 16. All scripture then, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. You say, I'm in Chronicles right now and I'm reading about this guy I can't pronounce, had a son, and I can't pronounce his name either. And he lived, okay, I understand. Some of it may be a little bit more difficult. I get that. I completely understand that. I go through those, uh, those seasons of Bible study myself. However, I will say this. God's word is profitable. It is profitable. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof. We don't like that. For correction. We don't like that either. For instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's holy word. God's word will complete you. God's word will perfect you. God's word will sanctify you. God's word will cleanse you. God's word will complete whatever it touches. It will cleanse whatever it touches. When God's word gets involved in a church, it will cleanse a church. It will purify a church. When God's word gets involved in a family, it will cleanse a family. It will purify a family. It will purify a marriage. It'll purify our relationship. God's word, when God's word gets a hold of your kids, it will purify your kids. God's word. God's word this morning, we must magnify God's word. We must, uh, we must put our focus and attention in submission to God's word this morning if we are going to be a people who wholeheartedly worships our God. I literally, I'm literally giving you this point and moving on. Verse 3, wholehearted boldness exemplified in our souls. In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. Made me bold. Wholehearted worship makes you bold. Makes you bold. It makes you not care as much what everyone thinks. 
It makes you bold. It makes you not care about the keyboard warriors on social media. It makes you not care. It makes you worship Him with boldness. With boldness. That's the great worship of the Lord that David highlights in just the first three verses of this psalm. But secondly, this morning, the great worship of the Lord, number one. Secondly, this morning, the great glory of the Lord. The great glory of the Lord. All the kings, verse 4, of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. Yea, they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. Great, the great, by the way, that's not a guy from the south trying to say a fire. So, he knows you from afar. Anyway, come on now. I know, Jamie. What a dumb joke. I have Bible jokes. Y'all wait. We're going to Nehemiah. You're going to hear Bible jokes when I, when I start in Nehemiah. I've got some. They're worse than dad jokes, I promise you. Though, <laughs> though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly, but the proud he knows from a distance. All right, afar. I want us to see underneath there all the earth will praise. All the earth, all the kings of the earth shall praise you. Verse 4, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth, yes, they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. All the earth will praise. David is highlighting here that once someone truly sees God for who he is in all of his glory, when we see God for who he truly is, we have no other choice but to praise him and to sing to him. All the earth. All the earth. You say, I've got unsaved uh, friends. I've got friends who would not count themselves as believers. The reason they're not yet believers is because they've yet to see God for who he truly is. You say, I've got a wayward son or daughter who, who does not claim to be a believer. Well, the reason that that son or daughter is not yet a believer is because they've yet to see God in all of his glory for who he truly is. I truly believe if we see God for who he is, that we have no other response than to fall to our knees in submission. We have no other response than to respond to him with, our commitment, with the commitment of our hearts and our lives. Once you see the glory of the Lord, you have no other choice but to praise him. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven of those on earth and of those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father let me say this today that all the earth will praise and there will come a day when every single sinner every single God rejecter every single atheist every single person who mocks every single person who doesn't believe there will come a day when they will say, I was wrong, and you are more than right. You're righteous. You're holy. Every knee will bow. You think of the most wicked, vile sinner that you can think of in, in the history of this world. That knee will bow. That knee will bow one day. They will declare and acknowledge Jesus Christ one day. They will. That day will come and 
I'm just grateful that we're doing it on this side of the judgment. I'm grateful that for those of us who believe in Jesus, that we've bowed our knee in, in, in worship. We have uh, bowed our knee uh, in praise and adoration and surrender to him as we have breath in our lungs. But all the earth will praise. And not only that, verse 6 tells us that the humble will be regarded. Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly. But the proud he knows from afar. So they, they give the difference between the proud, and they call it here the lowly. That would be the, the humble, the opposite of, of pride. And I'm, once again, we could preach an entire sermon this morning on pride. We could talk about uh, being humble. But let me just say this. God resists the proud, and he gives grace to the humble this morning. He resists the proud, and if, if your worship this morning, if your worship of Him, as you see Him in all His glory, your worship this morning is going to cause you to fall on your knees in humility. Your worship this morning should lead you to, to forsake your pride and to focus on Him in humble repentance, in humble submission this morning humble yourselves before the mighty hand of God humility simply means this to think of God how he deserves to be thought of and then to think of yourself as you deserve to be thought of there is only one result of that thought process and that is humility there's only one result of that if we see God in all of his glory for who he is, and we see ourselves the way that we truly are, we will be humble. We will humble ourselves. We're talking about our great God, the worship of our great God, the glory of our great God this morning. We must approach him humbly. He, I, I don't like this. He resists the proud. That's... If there's one word I don't want God doing to me, it's resisting me. What does resisting mean? Resisting means you're trying to come this way, and I'm literally resisting you. And I'm literally trying to push you in a, in, back in a different... I don't want that rub, that friction, that tension. That's the last thing I want between myself and my God and my Creator. But He will resist the proud. But he will give grace to the humble. He'll give you more than you ever could imagine. As we think about our great God this morning, we have spoken of the great worship of the Lord that we ought to have. We've spoken of the great glory of the Lord. Lastly this morning, I want us to see the great protection of the Lord. The great protection of the Lord. David closes out, this song that he wrote, highlighting the protection of the Lord. He's a great God. He's worthy of our praise. We should humble ourselves. Verse 7. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies. And your right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O oh Lord, endures forever 
Do not forsake the works of your hands. The great protection of the Lord. I want us to see the arm of protection. The arm of protection in verse 7. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies. And your right hand will save me. Listen to me this morning. If you worship God for who he is, if you come to him humbly, you are a child of his. He's not resisting you. He's giving you grace this morning. His arm is protecting you no matter what situation you find yourself in this morning. His arm of protection. And his arm of protection is infinite. His arm of protection can span from one corner of this world to to an opposite corner of this world. His arm of protection. I feel like I say this often, but God, God's hand will never lead you where his arm cannot reach you. And his arm of protection is there. As we think about our great God, as we think about the worship of our great God, we should worship him because of his protection. Psalm 3, we had a guest speaker, uh, Pastor Jake Potter, come in and preach on Psalm 3. And it talks about the protection of the Lord during the days of trouble. And David is one to talk because many of the psalms that we have highlighted throughout this summer have been psalms that David wrote in the caves as he was being sought after to be killed by King Saul. Listen this morning, David was writing about the protection, the protecting arm of the Savior because he was experiencing the protecting arm of the Savior in his life. The arm of protection... But not only that, the enduring mercy. And that's how we'll close this morning. The enduring mercy. Look at verse 8. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. As we think through this, I told you we were going to methodically walk through this book. I told you, this this chapter, I told you it was going to be more teachy than preachy this morning. But as we methodically walk through this, he ends highlighting the mercy of God. The mercy, the unending mercy of God. The enduring mercy of God. His mercy, which is sparing us from what we deserve. That's mercy. Mercy is sparing us from what we rightfully deserve. His mercy has been ringing loudly in our lives since the day we believed on Jesus. And his mercy will forever be ringing loudly in our lives for all of eternity. Enduring forever. I'm thankful this morning for the mercy of the Lord. As I think about my great God, as I think about humbling myself in worship to him, as I think about uh, putting him on my heart, as I think about singing to him this week, as I think about all these elements of a great God, thank you, God, for your mercy. I want you to think about this. Where would you be without the mercy of God? Where would you be? Let me ask you an even better question. Where will you be one day if not for the mercy of God? The mercy of God. You see, Romans tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
And there's a payment that must be made on our sin. The wages, the payment of our sin is, it's death. It's death. So you and I as sinners, we're all in the same boat. The ground truly is level when we're speaking of sin. As you and I sit as sinners, what we deserve is death. Because the wages of sin is death. But God, who is rich in mercy, your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. We deserve death. God didn't give us death. He gave us Jesus. We deserved death and destruction and darkness. And God gave us life and light and Jesus. He gave him physically on the cross at Calvary. Not a fairy tale, not a superhero story, not a movie. Jesus walked physically on this earth. You can hop on a plane today and you can go walk in the same streets that he walked in. He walked on this earth. He lived the life that you couldn't live and that was the life void of sin. That was the sinless, perfect life. And you couldn't live it and I can't live it. He lived that life for you. Once again, showing the mercy of Almighty God through Jesus. He comes and lives that sinless life and he's crucified. He's put up on that cross and he died the death that you deserve to die and that I deserve to die. For the wages of sin is death. And Jesus took your payment for you. You see, death was not just a physical death, for we all know that we will all die one day. That death was a spiritual death, a separation from God in a place called hell. Jesus came, and he died. And he died to pay the penalty of death and hell for you and for me. He didn't stay dead. Easter Sunday, the first song we sang today, Christ the Lord is risen today. He rose from the grave. He rose in triumph and victory over death, over sin, over hell. He rose in triumph over all of that. But he did that to show you mercy. He did that to not give you what you deserve. He did that to spare you from what you deserved this morning. His mercy endures forever. God is rich in mercy. And can I say this? I don't know some of you here today. I do know some of you here today. And I will say, I mentioned I was a pastor's son. I was a 19-year-old pastor's son who had never experienced the mercy of Jesus. So I don't care who you are. I don't care if you got your first bruise as a child, you know, running into a wall at the church. Or whether this is your first Sunday in a church. I don't care. I'm asking you a simple question. Have you received the mercy of God through his son, Jesus Christ? Simple question. Has there come a time where you have confessed your sin, repented of your sin, and put your wholehearted faith, belief, and trust in Jesus Christ? He wants to save you. He wants to change your life today. He wants to change your eternity. He wants to change your today. He wants to change everything in between. 
He loves you and he wants to show you mercy. Have you ever experienced the mercy of our great God? Mercy has a face and mercy has a name and that name and that person is Jesus. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.church. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.